that, I'm happy to introduce Geisinger's president and CEO, Dr. Jay Wanruf. Thank you, Matt. And thank you everybody for joining us again today. Um, as we've always done with these in prior sessions, we'll go through some of what we're seeing, some of the data, some of the latest updates, and then uh, also what we're doing about it. And what we see coming down the pike, and then of course, leave plenty of time for some questions and answers. Um, I guess what I would say this time um, versus a couple weeks ago when we came to you, we, we are still seeing those same concerning trends. I think those concerning trends are still concerning. And if anything, we've um, gotten to a point where I think there's even more reason for concern with the rate of the climb of some of these trends. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, a lot of news picking up the uh, arrival of the vaccines this week. That's very good news. Uh, but also other therapies that continue to come on board, whether it's the monoclonal antibody, um, antibody um, treatments or some of the other therapies that we know and have talked about before, whether it's convalescent plasma or otherwise. So these things all have helped us to treat and prevent in the case of the vaccine. Uh, but at the same time, that light of the light at the end of the tunnel may be there. It's still months before we'll get there. And so I think it's worth a reminder for all of us, especially as we approach the holiday season, that we're still not out of the woods here. Uh, we still need to focus on masking, distancing, um, hand hygiene, all of the same things that we've been uh, reinforcing previously. Um, at the same time, uh, we're very excited about the vaccine and we have some information to share with you about that. Um, and of course, we're encouraging everybody to get it. I think a lot of people are excited. We're already off to a tremendous start here in the first two days that we've been administering the vaccine. But let me start with some data as we always do. Uh, we're at a critical juncture. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, the rate of climb, as you've heard us talk about before, it's still kind of in this uh, exponential phase. We are seeing everything that suggests that this is a full-blown community spread, meaning that it's out in the communities. It's, it's out um, with our friends and neighbors and loved ones throughout the areas that we go to in the community. Um, and it's not just a nursing home issue. We've talked about this before, but we track this pretty regularly. In fact, I believe this past week, we're seeing only about 10 to 15% of those COVID positive patients who are admitted to our hospitals are actually nursing home patients. Now you've heard us also talk about before that only about two thirds of our patients or even sometimes as low as 60% of our patients um, are 65 and older, which means the remainder or solid one third is younger than 65. And in fact, half of those are younger than 55. Those statistics have also not changed um, in the last several weeks since the last time uh, we connected with you all. At the same time, uh, since about the beginning of November, so for the last six weeks or so, we have seen our volumes triple uh, as far as cases inside the hospital. We have been operating at or near capacity across all of our major campuses, including the ICUs. And what we've also been doing since then We've used the analogy of the dimmer switch. You know, back in the spring, we had shut down a lot of the elective or less urgent procedures and services 
Um, but this time we're able to modulate and do it more like a dimmer switch as opposed to an actual light switch on and off. And so by the day, by the campus, we have a team of folks, can't say enough about our team. Um, we have a team of folks that have managed looking out at what we expect to see based on the number of positive tests we're seeing and how many of those we think might become patients that need hospitalization, we're able to dial down our elective or less urgent procedures and services. And it's been dialing down by anywhere between 10 and 50%, depending on the day, depending on the campus. And that has helped us manage our beds as well as our staffing to be able to respond to the challenges posed by COVID. Uh, some other key statistics here for you. Um, if you look at the last two weeks of November, we were averaging about 240 positive tests per day. Since December 1, we're now averaging about 370 positive tests per day. So again, that uh, testing positive number continues to go up and we still hover around 20 to 22% of our uh, testing that we get, that we do ends up becoming positive. And so, uh, just by way of context, as I mentioned before, during the summer months, that number was as low as two or three percent positive testing rate, and now it is 20 to 22 percent positive testing rate. Although uh, I believe the last time we came to you, it was even a tick higher at 23 to 25 percent positive testing. We've done over, um, or I should say, we've tested. And, and had positive tests returned on 23,000 people thus far. Um, sometimes these are numbers, it's tough to put it into perspective. Uh, that's about filling the Mohegan Sun Arena two and a half times, so that's a lot of people. And you could see how when you're testing that many positive patients, that means uh, that a good number of them end up requiring hospitalization and even uh, unfortunately passing away and dying, succumbing to this disease. So this is serious, it's about as serious as it gets. I think the other dynamic that we try to make sure people understand is this puts an impact not just on the COVID patients that we treat, but also all patients that we treat, whether you're coming in for a heart attack or a stroke or some of these other services, all of the, the folks get impacted by um, COVID and, and what it does to staffing, what it does to resources, what it does to beds, um, and so that is also partly why we are concerned. At the same time, I can't say enough about our employees and we've been pretty consistent there and just they've risen to this occasion, uh, stepped up and really done tremendous work in being able to uh, fight the battle of COVID. Um, and this is even when at the time that the community has this widespread spread, um, that means that our employees who are merely residents of those communities, they're spread uh, there as well. The good news is our positive testing rate among employees remains less or lower than what it is in the broader communities in which we operate. That's held true throughout the pandemic. And what that means is that we're keeping our places safe. It's safer to be in a Geisinger facility than it may be to be out and about in the community. And so, I think those are all reassuring signs, uh, but obviously there's still a lot more battling to be done. So I think that's what the data tell us. And um, let me shift gears a little bit and talk about what we're doing. So our visitation restrictions remain. 
Uh, we've launched a lot of self-service tools to help people um, get their questions answered or even get scheduled for appointments. We've talked many times about the value of our analytics, which tell us at least for the next seven to 14 days with pretty good accuracy, what we could expect. And that allows us to then react and dial down those services and create that uh, capacity to be able to manage and take care of our communities. Um, at the same time, uh, we have more arrows in our quiver as far as treatment. I alluded to some of them earlier, convalescent serum, monoclonal antibodies, and now of course the vaccine. Now, each of these treatments, let's put the vaccine aside. We're going to get back to that one. But the monoclonal antibody, the convalescent serum, um, the antiviral use, the immunomodulators, all of these categories of therapies are for specific criteria and specific categories of patients and the circumstances in which they uh, have gotten the virus. And so we have a team of experts that have been guiding us along the way and making sure that those treatments are for the most appropriate groups of people. And at the same time, our research team and our pharmacy team has consistently been participating with many clinical trials and research activities on the latest and greatest um, treatments that are available and bringing those uh, available to uh, the communities that we serve. So all good news there. The other thing that I would I would say is the while all these treatments are fantastic, and of course the vaccine is super exciting, um, we still know that the most impactful thing we can do uh, to bend the trend, so to speak, or to ward off and and prevent this further spread of the of the virus, is upstream mitigation. And and we've said this all along: indoor is higher risk than outdoor. Activities where you're not masked are higher risk than activities where you are masked. Uh, environments where you're with other people or congregating in groups is higher risk than when you're distancing. All of those things have stayed true throughout the pandemic and it couldn't be more important now because we still have a ways to go on this. Um, and we're going to need to do all of those upstream mitigation activities, as you've heard me say before, going upstream and turning down that spigot is going to be instrumental in helping all of our folks and the communities to really stem the tide of the virus. A little bit about the vaccine, because I know there are probably a lot of questions. Um, earlier this week, uh, we did start administering the vaccines, I believe on Wednesday. Uh, logistically, obviously, a lot of planning went into this from a lot of folks on our team. Again, every opportunity i have to thank our employees because they have just helped us along the way with every step of this journey help the communities in terms of getting these things quickly available and launched for our patients and our communities and so with the vaccine we received this week the first 3,000 or so doses started administering on wednesday of course as you all know with the snowstorm uh, that did throw us a little bit of a curveball, but our teams were able to adapt pretty quickly. Um, by the end of today, we should have over 400 of our employees vaccinated. And by the end of the weekend, I believe we should have about 2,100 of our employees vaccinated. So we're off to a great start. I think at this pace, uh, we should be able to administer the full 3,000 here uh, by the early portion of next week. And that means that uh, we'll get right back into the process of securing more supply 
uh, working with the federal government and with the state government, the Department of Health, in getting those supplies and administering them quickly. At the same time, I think many of you either read yesterday and today about the approval of the Moderna vaccine. So the second vaccine is also coming online and uh, we're very excited about that and expect to have uh, additional supplies of that vaccine uh, getting delivered in, in this coming week, hopefully. So as we get those supplies, we're gonna be able to vaccinate more and more of our workforce and that'll help so that uh, we're able to continue to battle uh, the effects of COVID. Um, I'd like to take an opportunity to thank the state for helping to distribute uh, these vaccines and uh, working with the federal government, who I'd also like to thank, uh, and helping to get these things available quickly. Um, I can't say enough about the excitement that we have throughout the organization that you're probably reading about in, in the press. Um, I think it's every bit as exciting because this is a critical step in this journey of COVID. Um, we do anticipate more vaccine to come, as I mentioned, in the coming weeks and months. But at the same time, we do expect for there to be a meaningful amount of our population to be vaccinated. vaccinated. It will take months to come still, and we're still going to need to do the masking, the distancing, the hand hygiene, all of those upstream mitigation efforts uh, to make sure we continue to quell the tides of this vaccine. So I think in closing, before we turn to the Q&A, I'll, I'll say yes, absolutely exciting, uh, light at the end of the tunnel, but still several months away. So we can't take our foot off the gas with all of the precautionary preventive measures that we've been stressing. Um, the, the more recent trends are concerning. Um, and it's concerning not just for COVID patients, but for the ability to take care of all patients. I think that is critical message there. And as a result, we as a community really do have an opportunity to band together. And if we do that in order to swim upstream and turn down that spigot together, we think this will um, put us in a much better position as we get the vaccine rolled out and as we approach those coming months. Now, we all know that Christmas is next week. We have the holidays coming up as we did before Thanksgiving. I wanna take the opportunity to stress upon everybody the importance of um, looking at alternative ways to do the holidays. I think uh, gathering with folks outside of your household, we have seen time and time again, that does lead to spikes. And so we would encourage everybody to be thoughtful about how they consider their holiday plans and uh, yet again, I'd like to just close by thanking our teams. Um, I just commend them for the incredible work they're doing day in and day out. To be honest, they are tired and uh, it's been a long haul and we know we're still not out of the woods. I think the thing that we could all do to help them is to focus on those upstream mitigation efforts. So let me close there and see if we have questions as we typically do and we'd be happy to answer them. Thank you, Dr. Roo. As you can imagine, a lot of questions about the vaccine. We'll start with several folks who asked any update on when phase three, the general public will begin and when Geisinger may be administering vaccine to patients at high risk. Yeah, so a lot of this depends on the supply. And I mentioned that uh, the good news here is that in addition to the Pfizer vaccine, which arrived this week, we expect that the Moderna vaccine will be hitting uh, across the country next week. And so if we 
have those things coming online and providing more and more supply, then we'll be able to cycle through and vaccinate more and more of the communities and the populations that we serve. Um, with close collaboration with the federal government and with the State Department of Health, their directive to all health systems has been to focus on our employees as part of this phase one. Within the state or the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, um, there's the federal pharmacy, um, uh, I'm blanking on the acronym, but there's a federal, par uh, federal pharmacy partnership, I believe, for long-term care. And uh, through that, they've partnered with some uh, pharmacy branches to deliver the shots, to deliver the vaccines to long-term residents, so people in skilled nursing facilities and nursing homes. So they're gonna do that as part of this first wave. They've told the health systems to focus on our employees as part of this first wave. And as we get more and more supply, we'll be cascading throughout the rest of the population. This process will take months, but I think all the signs are very promising um, that we should get we should continue to get more and more supply with each passing week. WKOK asks, what happens after you get the vaccine? Do you still need to wear a mask and take other precautions? Can you be asymptomatic? Can you still pass it on? So you, you do need to take the precautions. And the reason for that is, remember, until we get a meaningful amount of the population vaccinated, uh, we do need to continue to pay attention to all the mitigation efforts we've been talking about. Also keep in mind that the vaccines are tremendously effective, 90, 95% effective, effective, effectiveness. But what that also means is that, you know, anywhere between five and 10%, one out of 20, one out of 10 patients or people who receive the vaccine, um, it's not effective. And so in order to make sure that we are all safe as a community and as a population, you really need to focus on getting somewhere around two thirds of your total population completely immune. And so until that happens, uh, we all need to take these precautions. And so it doesn't mean you can take off the mask and you, know, you got this clean bill of health. That's not it at all. We still have to maintain those precautions until the population as a whole achieves that level of immunity. The Hazleton Standard speaker asks, what side effects should people anticipate when they are vaccinated? So uh, some of the side effect profile is actually very similar to uh, perhaps some other vaccines you've received in the past. For example, sometimes with the flu shot, uh, you could get sore muscle in the site of the infection. Uh, you could feel a little bit of uh, fatigue or what we call malaise, so not feeling so well. Uh, the good news is with all of these side effects, uh, they're generally self-limited. And the vast majority seem to resolve within 24 hours and some people don't have much side effects at all. And so I think what we've seen from the, the studies of the vaccine is that, that about 10 to 15 people, 10 to 15% of the people um, might have some of these side effects, but again, it should last less than 24 hours. And of course, all of those side effects are much, much uh, less serious than the effects of COVID that we've seen. And so, I think that's what makes this vaccine actually fairly unique in terms of its effectiveness and its safety and uh, the fact that the side effect profile is relatively minimal. Question just came in from WITF, again about side effects. Have there been any adverse side effects among the healthcare workers we vaccinated thus far? So um, as of today, I think we're, we're gonna be around 400 people vaccinated. We're pretty close to that already and it's, you know, mid-afternoon. 
uh, we haven't seen any side effects that are what we would call serious side effects. Um, some people report a little soreness in their arm. And so I think that's all reassuring. Uh, but at the same time, to be extra safe, uh, what we've done is started to uh, ask people to stick around for 15 minutes after they receive the vaccine to make sure that um, there aren't any concerning uh, side effects that appear. And we'll continue to do that. I believe that's uh, the most recent recommendations that's been put out just uh, even as recently as today. So I think doing that makes it even safer, although I would say it was already pretty safe. You touched on it a bit earlier, but how frequently does Geisinger expect to receive additional vaccine doses? Yeah, so I want to be a little careful here because there's, there's still a lot of unknown, but we think, and what we've been um, told is that with the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine, I think between both of those, we should be getting shipments fairly regularly. You know, if it's not every week, maybe it's every other week, but we should be on a pretty steady cadence to be able to vaccinate more and more of our employees. And so as we finish the batches that we have, we report back to um, the, the uh, regulatory bodies that we've completed them and they send us more. I think that's roughly, if you wanna think of the process, I think that's, that's probably what, what's reasonable to expect. WKOK asked, uh, Secretary Levine disagreed that the Pfizer vaccine was processed too quickly. Were you okay with the quick process and what would you say to those who hesitate to get it? We've been encouraging everybody to get it and I think there's been a lot of just overwhelming excitement, which is great. I think it's exactly right. Um, we're very excited about this vaccine. I think if you talk to our infectious disease experts and so forth, um, not just here, but even elsewhere across the country, I think they would say tremendously exciting vaccine effective vaccine um, and really developed in a very short period of time. Now, here's the other thing to remember. We had a head start in developing this vaccine. Um, the technology that this vaccine and the Moderna vaccine uses, so-called mRNA technology, was actually already being worked on and in development from the prior viral uh, epidemics that, that we have seen. Um, and that was with MERS and SARS, I believe. That's when some of the early work was already being done on developing vaccines through this technology. And so on the one hand, it seems very quick, but on the other hand, if you consider the work that was done sort of pre-work, if you will, um, it makes sense that we were able to accelerate, we as a country were able to accelerate the production of this vaccine. And so I think it's very safe and reliable. Um, and we've been strongly encouraging because we don't see uh, any reason for concern on that. Again, from the standard speaker, for vaccines that require two doses, such as Pfizer's, is any protection offered by the first dose? So there are some reports that there's some minimal um, benefit from even the first dose, if you read the study. Um, but I think the fully effective dose is really with the two-course regimen being separated by uh, three weeks in the case of Pfizer and in the case of Moderna, I believe the two doses need to be separated by four weeks. That's what was studied for the outcomes. It's very important from a science standpoint with what has been tested, what has been tried and adhering to that protocol um, is what will get you the best benefit. And, and in these cases, it is a two shot vaccine regimen. WKOK asks, when will you get the vaccine? <clears throat> so I, I I'm chomping at the bit is what I would say, but uh, here what we've done is we've established the process so that our frontline workers who, 
whose daily work has significant exposure to COVID patients, they are at the front of the line and we think that's exactly right. And so um, by virtue of my role, I think I'm coming in one of the later waves, but, uh, which is why I'm, I'm really excited for the subsequent deliveries of the, of the allotments that we'll get. And I think in the coming weeks, we'll be able to get through most of our staff and uh, including me. The Daily Item asks, will Gunsinger either on its own or through partnerships with other providers or civic organizations be undertaking a public relations campaign to encourage people to take the vaccine? And if so, what's the message? So we're really encouraging um, both our employees and the public. Um, and some of the excitement here is just unbridled um, as it is across most health systems across the country. You know, a lot of the folks that I trained with in my emergency medicine residency program, um, I got text messages all throughout the week with pictures and, and showing as each one of the people that I trained with were getting vaccinated throughout the country in their respective organizations. I think there's a lot of excitement. You're seeing a lot of pickup on this in social media. I think we'll continue to do our part to make sure the message gets out there with not just our employees, but with the broader public, encouraging folks to get the vaccine because it really is a, a monumental feat of science and uh, it's a very effective vaccine. So we should all be looking at it and, and hopefully getting it um, in the weeks and months to come. WNEP writes in, should people who have already had COVID-19 still get the vaccine? Yeah, so um, this is a question that we've been getting asked a lot. If I uh, parrot the words of uh, Dr. Martin, our chair of infectious disease, who's sort of been our COVID expert in many ways here, um, what we don't know is folks who have had COVID, we don't know how long that immunity lasts and to what level that immunity lasts. And so there's a lot of a good reason to believe that that immunity wanes over time. And so even the folks who have recovered from COVID, um, they should be getting the vaccine. That's absolutely right. Now, um, if they had COVID fairly recently, um, you know, in the last three, six months or what have you, um, should they be at the very front of the line? I, I think maybe they, they might still be likely to have some immunity, but as a general rule, we are advising that anybody who has had COVID, they still need to be vaccinated. WKOK asks, how is the vaccine distribution going at Geisinger storage? Did the storm delay any shipments and did Danville get it yet? Yeah, so um, we had three of our sites receive the vaccine uh, earlier this week, and those were the sites that we had been planning. And then from there, of course, we're able to distribute across our system uh, to various sites. And all of our sites are now administering the vaccine. Um, I will say, you know, the snow, as it kind of has a tendency to do for the rest of our lives, uh, the snow threw us a little bit of a monkey wrench or put that into the equation, but our teams adapted beautifully. You know, we rearranged the schedules and got the information out. And so um, I need to knock on wood, but relatively uh, speaking so far, it's been pretty smooth. And we anticipate that we'll be going, you know, seven days a week through the weekend and very quickly administering all 3,000 of, of this first batch. The Daily Item asks, how are you in terms of ICU beds? Uh, a late re recent reports that there are less than 10 at Danville, one at Shemokin, and there's been talk about phone calls between hospitals about how to deploy patients. Yeah, so this shifts by the hour, by the day, and as we've been telling you all, um, during this most recent wave, so the last six weeks or so, 
we've been running at or near capacity the entire time, including ICU. So that's not anything new. Um, that's something that uh, we've been managing through uh, for this entirety of the most recent wave. And it's something that we continue to manage those inputs, as I mentioned. When we see that activity kick up on the COVID side, means we have to dial down other activity, whether it's elective or less urgent procedures or services, and that's what we're doing. Now, it puts a tremendous strain on the system. There's no doubt about that, but our folks are, are really good at managing that, um, and we're lucky to have them. Very fortunate to have um, some of that muscle already built into our system, but every day, uh, that's our daily work. And so I think the, the thing, the takeaway, I would say, is for the communities, in order to make that work easier and to create that capacity, um, we really need to get to those upstream mitigation efforts, you know, the distancing, the hand hygiene, the, the masking, avoiding large gatherings, um, avoiding congregating, congregations at all of people outside your household. I think all of those things are important. 